I'm Joel Parker, and this is How on Earth, the KGNU Science Show. Today is Tuesday, January 19th, 2021. Coming up, science meets art on stage. We talk with scientists and playwrights who are part of a collaborative theater project that has developed plays inspired by the work of local researchers. Sometimes it seems that science and art are completely different worlds, but that has not always been the case. There is a long history of artistic scientists and scientific artists, whether you're talking about Da Vinci, Escher, Bach, or Hedy Lamarr, Mayim Bialik, and Brian May. Today, our guests include two scientists and two playwrights who use the research of the scientists as a basis for their plays as a part of a theater project produced by the Boulder Ensemble Theater Company, or Betsy. The production is called Science Shorts, which will be streaming online Thursday through Sunday this week, January 21st through 24th. The production will feature readings of four short plays by Colorado playwrights and four short talks by the scientists who inspired their work. The scientists with us today are Dr. Nisha Schnepf and Ashley Whipple. Nisha Schnepf is a geophysicist, and during her PhD work at the Cooperative Institute for Research in Environmental Sciences, she studied the electromagnetic fields produced by Earth's oceans. Ashley Whipple is a biologist with her master's in ecology from the University of Colorado. She has wrangled flat-tailed horned lizards in the deserts of Southern California, searched for boreal toads along the continental divide of Colorado, and followed American pikas to mountaintops across the Mountain West. Also with us is Nigel Knudsen, playwright, actor, and director who received his MFA in theater performance from Naropa University. He also has a science side, working as a forensic anthropologist and is currently working on a COVID-19 mortuary task force deployed to New York City. Our other guest is Ellen K. Graham, a Denver playwright and producer. She is founder of the production company Feral Assembly and a co-founder of Denver's Theater 29. To learn more about the alchemy of transmorgifying science into theater, we first will talk to the scientists to understand the background for the plays they inspired, starting with Dr. Nisha Schnepf and her research background. So I did my PhD studying the electromagnetic fields made by Earth's oceans, specifically from ocean processes like tides, circulation, and tsunamis. So the focus of this play is on tsunamis magnetic signals. Do people find it surprising that the ocean has electromagnetic waves? Of course. As opposed to other <laughs> kind of waves. <laughs> yeah, so that's, that is something I'm definitely going to be going into in the talk I have that's like complementary to the play. It'll have wow. just some basics on 
you know, how magnetic fields are made in general, because I I know for me, like if I hadn't learned that from physics classes, I definitely wouldn't know that. So I don't really see why most people would know that. (laughs) Swimming in the ocean, you just never think about it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So you mentioned a talk associated with the play. Are there actually, do the scientists give some type of presentation associated with this? Yeah. So they've already been recorded. There'll be like about 12 minutes long talks that go right after each play. I think it'll be a nice compliment. Excellent. And so yours is about tsunamis and electromagnetism. Yeah. Is that a topic you've been studying for a long time? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I guess over seven years now, I've been working on yeah, aspects of electromagnetic fields in nature. What drove you into that? Uh, I've just always been pretty nerdy, to be honest. Like, I really like sci-fi, and I've always really liked math. Math was always basically my favorite. And so when I first had a physics class in high school, that's when I realized that physics is, it kind of is an art first off, but it's basically you're just using math to describe nature. So I really liked that. (laughs) And then in college, just it kept going, you know, like I kept taking more physics classes that were even better taught. And so I really liked it. And then I just kind of stumbled upon it. Like I was doing an internship at a university in California and they had posters in the hallways of different research that was being done. And it just so happened that the scientists who made the first ever numerical models of Earth's magnetic field happened to be there. And so I was like looking at his poster and I was just like, whoa, people study this. Convenient. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And so then that's when I kind of just went with it. Ashley, can you tell me a little about your research background? Yeah. um, Broadly, I'm interested in understanding how climate change influences mountain ecosystems. And I explore that topic kind of through the lens of an American pika. So American pika are relatives of rabbits and hares. Uh, They are about the size of a little potato, just give you a little bit of background. Um, And here uh, in Colorado, they live above 9,000 feet in rocky outcroppings, so rocky slopes in the mountains. And I was really drawn to them because I love mountains. I love exploring mountains and was always something I was passionate about and wanted to, you know, protect and and get people excited about and American pika are just the cutest things. If you haven't, if you haven't seen them, it makes my job really easy to talk about them. Um, There's weeks when you're hiking up in the mountains. Yes, you usually will hear a pika before you see a pika, and so usually when I'm out in the mountains, that's what I think is like a hello, good morning. I'm like, oh, hello, pika, good morning. But yeah, but what's really interesting about pika is that we've kind of learned that they're really connected to their mountain environment. So when things that they rely on are really healthy in their environment, it seems as well that pika do really well. And so they're really tied to what's going on in our mountain Mm. ecosystems, and we can learn a lot from them. And through my research, I wanted to kind of delve in a little bit more into using stress as a monitoring tool. So it's been used in wildlife for a while and has been building as a topic. And we've done a little bit of it with American pika, but I just wanted to explore it more to see if we could almost use it as like an early warning signal of when pika might be doing badly. So we would assume that if pika are are more stressed, that they're probably, you know, on the cusp of declining and possibly being lost from our landscapes. Hmm. Pikas kind of serve as an indicator of the health of the environment they're in. Yeah, that's um, in my research. That's how I like to use them. Is it's almost like an indicator of yeah the health health of our ecosystems. 
So you got drawn into this study from the curiosity enjoyment of hiking in the mountains and going, what are they? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I was, so I was thinking um, to, you know, to go back to graduate school and, and I thought I really need a topic in a, in a research project that, you know, my heart, my soul is in and I can devote my life to. Um, and so, you know, quite literally, I think I Googled like climate change and mountains and Pika popped up. I feel like they're kind of the poster child of mountain ecosystems and climate change. And so I just delved into this research and I loved learning so much about pika. I think just that's kind of my personality ever since growing up is that hmm. with wildlife, I didn't want to learn everything about them. And so, yeah, I delved into pika research and there was a few prominent researchers that popped up. Um, one of them, my advisor, Dr. Chris Ray at CU Boulder. And I contacted her and I said, this seems really cool. I really want to learn more about pika. How can, how can I get involved? And at the time I was in Montana and she has a long-term research site in Montana. And she said, come on out, come, hmm. come, you know, hike a couple miles in the backcountry of Montana and camp and, and trap pika. And I said, that sounds amazing. Hard to turn that down. Yep. That's how it started. Can you give one example of something you've learned from pika that taught you something about in the environment they're in? Yeah, that's a great question. So in my own research, thinking about stress, I found that pikas are less stressed on talus slopes that have ice underneath them. So these talus slopes, scientists call them active rock glaciers, but they have this ice core. And we found that that core keeps their underneath talus environment cool in the summer and warm in the winter. So it's this really- ah, It's a regulator. Yeah, it's a stable environment that keeps them mm. happy no matter what's going on above above the rocks. Um, and so, yeah, I actually did find that they um, have lower stress levels on those towel slips with ice. So they might, from that research, they may be tied to, to those ice features. How did you get involved in this project with the science shorts at Betsy? Yeah, so um, I was, contacted I think my advisor actually reached out because she heard about it and she said you want to do this this sounds really cool and I looked at it and I was like who doesn't want to do a play um, about you know about science and especially about pikas we have a good group of pika people is what I call them and um, I think we all dream about you know what what would a pika say what do pika do um, and I love this idea that we could bring them to life I, did, I guess at the time I didn't know where it was going, but in my head, I was like, if we can have a play about pika and pika poo to measure, <laughs> everybody wants to hear about that. And so I just got really excited about it. And um, yeah, just wanted to try it out. So Nisha, what was your experience in getting hooked into this? It's sort of similar in that it, it was also someone else told me about it. And my reaction was also, oh, that sounds so cool. I have basically no experience being involved in a play before. And I just thought this seems so cool. And I remember when I like applied to be one of the scientists, I was like, I have no clue how mm. someone would make a play about tsunami electromagnetic fields. Cause like, at least Ashley has pikas. Like I don't have <laughs> cute animals. Like everything I do is math equations and just like hard data. You know what I mean? So I was a little afraid Nigel was going to write a play about like electrons or something, but he did a really good job making it. Oh, I could play. I could imagine a play about electrons and plasmas and things, but it didn't go that direction. So let's hop over to the playwrights here. And Nisha's playwright partner in this endeavor is Nigel Knudsen, whose play is called Trinal. Uh, so Nigel, what was your process in converting this science into a story? 
people can often think it's kind of overwhelming to just pick up someone's scientific research that you probably know nothing about. And then where do you even go from there? Um, so for me, the first thing I did was try to learn as much as I possibly could about the research. I imagine um, Nisha giving you a stack of papers, like an advisor, say, read these. I <laughs> mean, I didn't do that gesture, but he read my whole dissertation. Did. Wow. I, it was fascinating, honestly. I enjoyed it. I know some people won't believe me, but I did read it all and it was quite enjoyable. I don't but, think anyone's ever said that about a thesis. So that says a lot. Oh, <laughs> uh, maybe it's my science background makes me biased towards reading things like that. Right. And you uh, have a science background, which is an interesting hook as well. I do. Um, I'm a forensic or biological anthropologist. So I really enjoy that field as well. But yeah, the process was really just sitting down with the material and reading it and kind of looking for ideas and themes and Nisha, please correct me if I say any of this incorrectly. Um, one of the things I found really compelling was this idea of trying to search for the unique signature from tsunamis, the unique electromagnetic field signature in the midst of all these other signals. You have to sort through to find them. And I was like, well, this is the process of what the scientist is trying to do. How can I emulate this to make the audience feel mm -hmm. something similar? So they have to go through a process of sorting through. And so trinal, which means consisting of three parts, is really three different narratives interwoven so that the audience can kind of get the same feeling of going through and sorting things out that Nisha had to do in their research. Splitting it into three perspectives is very interesting. I'm looking forward to seeing that. Let me hop over to Ellen here. So Ellen, you worked with Ashley to develop your play On the Rocks. How did you envision the story when you met with Ashley and talked about it? I think um, I had a similar process to Nigel. So Ashley kind of did her initial talk, which is about an hour long, I think. Um, I do not have a science background. So there was a certain amount of like, hey, what is, I can't remember, I had some very basic terms that are probably from like freshman biology that I did not know that I had to ask Ashley about. She, she didn't pass out a jargon cheat sheet for you? No, she didn't, she didn't, but I, but I eventually, but I learned a lot on the project, which I love. And I ended up, I did read Ashley's thesis and I understood, I would say 75 to 80% of it. She's a really great writer. And so that made it easier for me because wow. she made it easy for me to understand. Um, her research. So, and then we kind of open it up. I guess our initial conversations, the natural charisma of Pika's was central. I mean, there was no getting around it. I think even in mm -hmm. Ashley's formula filled, graph filled thesis, there were little bits of cuteness in there. And in her presentation, she has cute pictures. So there was no getting around that. And so I think that we kind of decided early on, like, yeah, it would be awesome if we could get Pika's on stage. Mm -hmm but also wanted to be careful about anthropomorphizing too much, which we, we actually kind of incorporated as a self-conscious kind of conceit in the play, because mm -hmm. you definitely could verge too far into the cuteness. But sure. I think the thing I was really struck by is they are super cute, but they are tough. I mean, they're really tough. I mean, they look, you look at the things that they have to do, humans would just flounder and walk away. So um, I thought that was fascinating about them. And I think we kind of got hooked in or actually hooked me into the pika people. And we had this amazing email chain going on with all these amazing pika stories. And I ended up using quite a few of them, as many as I could in 10 minutes. And I wanted the audience to be able to relate to pikas. And, and that really is a key part in science communication is finding a hook or a way to engage the audience, even if they're not experts, that it gives them something to connect with and provide a context 
for the science. And doing plays is a great way of doing this. I, I wonder, Nigel and Ellen, have either of you done this type of collaboration before? I have done this before. My older sister is an immunologist. I wouldn't say we collaborated quite as closely. I used some principles of her research and based it on a, on a full-length play about the cells in the immune system. And so that's kind of what, it felt like a very natural thing to me. I'm very close with my sister. She's very in interested in art. I'm very interested in science, even though I have no science background. I'm interested in science, narrative nonfiction, and that kind of thing. So for me, um, so I had done that project maybe about 10 years ago that was based on regulatory T cells and tumor necrosis factor alpha and all that stuff. You hear about science advisors in films and movies. Have any of you ever heard of a science advisor for a theater show? Yes. I actually have. There's a few plays that have a lot of math that often kind of confuse people, particularly actors who don't actually know what the math means. Mm. So they find it difficult when performing. They just start saying the numbers and they're like, but I don't know where I am, how I'm supposed to be saying these, what I really, am I excited about these numbers? <laughs> what is this? So I've seen in particular my undergrads, they would bring in professors in mathematics or other sciences to be like, oh, well, this is what you're actually saying when you're giving these numbers. This is what these numbers mean or translate to, right. which I think can be very valuable in a place. For Ashley and Nisha, do you think you'd want to play an advisor again on a theater production? Was this an enjoyable experience for you? Oh, yes, yeah. <laughs> I, I can see Nigel listening carefully here. <laughs> I thought it was super fun. It was so interesting. It's so different than any other type of science outreach thing I've done. And it's the way we talked about my work is just totally different than mm. any like academic discussion of it. So that's also, it was really great. <laughs> it must be exciting to see your science, which you're used to seeing on PowerPoint, mm -hmm. embodied in a completely different way. Nisha, what was that experience for you? Well, one of the characters in his play is kind of like what I was going through, I guess. Like she's a student who's trying to work on Tsunami EM. And I remember like my partner was sitting in when they were reading through it and was just like, oh my gosh, this is exactly what you were like. <laughs> and it just was really funny. It, it just, it felt like a good picture of both like the way he, he structured the play of like how hard and tedious it can be to be a scientist, but mm. then sort of what keeps you going. So from the playwright perspective, since it's presented at science shorts, this kind of science-based plays, was there a concern about making it sound too much like a lecture? Um, I would say not for me. Um, <laughs> I think there's, a, there's this benefit that in society, we have this kind of science illiteracy that's happening kind of globally. And so theater has this advantage that theater is essentially metaphor. So we can take it and translate it into something else that makes it more relatable, more approachable, and more digestible for an audience to understand the science hmm. and not make it so scary, not make it so wrapped up in these complex, very specific expertise and terminologies that even when you're in the field, sometimes you're like, I've never seen that word before. I need to, like, this person's using something totally different. And so there's this interesting thing that, you know, as theater creators, we can break that down and make it be like, oh, yeah, this is what the scientist is really talking about. But how does it actually impact people? What mm. is people's response? And when we start talking about people, that's just universal. Sure. And it creates, makes it more quickly relatable to an audience member, I think. I know scientists are always concerned about the media taking their work and 
simplifying it to try to communicate to non-experts, but in some ways in the simplification, either losing the essence or actually saying things that are wrong. There's kind of this tension between being accurate and telling a story. Ellen, how did you deal with that balance? Mm, That's such a great question, because I think um, Pika's natural charm aside and the immediacy of climate change aside, I really wanted to keep it limited. I think it's so interesting just how concrete Ashley's findings were about the ice and just the, and 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 finding ways to to detect stress and that stress might lead to this. Like I want, I didn't want it to be this big histrionic thing, um, like oh the 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 adorable charismatic mammals are doomed, you know, <laughs> doomed. Um, I tell you, right? Though they might be, but it was really important to me to ground it back to this very specific thing that sh- that she had found, and so. I hope we ended up in a place where it respects the specificity. Yeah, um, I don't know, Ashley, if you want to speak to any of that at all too, but I think because we had such a charismatic subject, um, I had to really resist in myself um, the desire to, you know, go off. Wait, electromagnetic fields are not charismatic? No, I think they're totally charismatic. <laughs> they're just not adorable, maybe. I think they're electrifying. Yeah. <laughs> electrifying. Uh, um... And maybe magnetic too. Yeah, I think that's why this collaboration is so important is to that accuracy point is if you just, if I just picked up a random paper or a random dissertation and tried to translate that, it could be overwhelming to try to get that correct. But to be able to work with the scientist who wrote it and be like, hey, I don't understand what this is. How can you explain it to me and therefore I can translate Mm -hmm. it? That is extremely valuable. And I think should hopefully continue on with other people who wanna make theater related to science. I I think it's a great thing to continue with because People learn in different ways. There are different modalities of learning, and theater is a way, uh, even for the sciences. Ashley and Nisha, do you think the plays hit the mark? And the playwrights are listening carefully here. I definitely think so. I think, um, yeah, I just wanted to say that it was a pleasure working with Ellen, and that I think it was just a great collaboration because, I mean, it's easy just to be talking at people about science and data and whatnot, but Ellen, it was it was such it was so it was such a great experience to have a creative person on your team because you know science always seems to be very factual and very data driven, but there's always that side of it we don't always get to to show and to share, and that's kind of like the human side of why we love what we're doing and why we go out into the field and you know like slug a backpack around and hike up mountains. <laughs> and I think working with Ellen, I was really appreciative of her bringing that human side, bringing, bringing the emotional side to it, because that is so hard to do in, in a lot of like science, you know, sci- yeah. science events and science realms. You could put a little bit in that in your presentation, in your papers, but. Going to be very theatrical when you give your yeah. next technical talk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it was a, it was, it's a great opportunity to show that human side of science and, and to really connect to people that we are people who struggle in the field or, you know, love love to see little pika run around or do different things. And I think that Ellen did a great, great job on that. And it was such a creative work that it was something that I could never do and I could never pull off. And it's so fun to watch. It was a, a really creative project and process that I've never 
seen or been able to like understand how it all went like I saw how the actors learned Mm -hmm. the actual script and practicing it and it was so interesting to see that process that's a whole dimension we didn't have a chance to get into I know Nisha was your experience the same oh yeah I just I thought Nigel's play was totally spot on and um one thing that Alan mentioned about when she was writing the play and wanting to make sure it wasn't too histrionic like you know like Nigel had to write about tsunami magnetic signals and just tsunamis right he did a really good job (laughs) about not making it just like some doomsday play or just something super over the top like his play each read through it made me tear up (laughs) so I think he did a really good job wonderful did a good job like getting the emotions through yeah well that's great I'm really looking forward to this as a scientist, I'm looking forward to seeing science presented in this way. And I'm so happy that there's been this collaboration. So I want to thank all of you very much for sharing your experience in this and your time and for being on our show. Thank you very much. Thank Thank you. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thanks. Thanks. Our guests were scientists, Dr. Nisha Schnepf and Ashley Whipple and playwrights, Nigel Knudsen and Ellen K. Graham talking about their collaboration creating plays for the Boulder Ensemble Theater Company's production called Science Shorts. The production streams online this week and will include four short plays and four short talks by the scientists whose work inspired the plays. You can watch the performances online anytime from Thursday through Sunday this week, January 21st through 24th. After watching the plays and talks, you can join the scientists and playwrights at 4 p.m. Sunday, January 24th, for a live online Zoom conversation about the shows. To register to see the shows and for the live talkback and more information, go to the Boulder Ensemble Theatre Company's website at betc.org. That's all for this edition of How on Earth. Our executive producer is Beth Bennett. This week's show was produced by yours truly, Joel Parker. Our theme music was written and produced by Josh Cutler. Visit our website at howonearthradio.org to find past episodes, extended interviews, and you can subscribe to our podcast through iTunes and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Do you have questions or comments? Call the KGNU comment line at 303 447 9911. For How on Earth, the KGNU Science Show, I'm Joel Parker.